Broadcasting from Singapore and broadcasting all around the world. You're listening to the Ignite EdTech Podcast with Craig Kemp, created by an educator for educators and streaming to the world. Now, over to your host, Craig Kemp. Hello and welcome to episode 90 of the Ignite EdTech Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Kemp, and I'm honored to have you join us. As most of you know, I continue to work with the incredibly talented Mark Quinn to improve the final audio quality of this podcast. He has his own podcast production studio that provides editing and mastering services to content creators. To connect with Mark, please see the details in the podcast notes below. It's crazy to believe that we're already at episode 90. I absolutely love sharing for free and love supporting educators in their growth and development. If you want a question answered or want some support, advice or connections, don't hesitate to contact me on any of my social channels or via info at igniteedtech.com. Last week, I asked you about how you engage parents in the learning journey of their children. Thank you for your thoughts and ideas. This week, I wanted to ask you about communities of practice and what makes them important and valuable. I'd love to hear from you. Please share with us via our Ignite EdTech social streams. I look forward to hearing your responses soon. A tool that has positively impacted the authentic and purposeful use of technology into classrooms and meeting rooms that I have worked in is Prezi. Prezi is a multimedia presentation platform that boasts a 3D zoom-in feature. Once teachers and students create an account, they can start Prezi's in two ways. Upload an existing PowerPoint presentation or use one of the dozens of available free templates on the site. Students and teachers edit Prezi's to navigate through a series of paths and can zoom into different levels in order to get more detailed and creative, adding videos, images, charts, icons, text, and much more. Use Prezi to highlight key points without all the distractions that regular slideshows may present. Teachers can use the tool in a traditional classroom setting to lay out key ideas or they can design full lessons to be viewed at home to flip the classroom. For students, it's a great fit for presenting research in a meaningful, organized way, or even to share passion projects. There are opportunities to teach solid design skills too. Because templates are pre-made, there's not as much of a learning curve in terms of the initial layout. So teachers can encourage students to focus on engaging their audience with meaningful content and a few built-in bells and whistles. I highly recommend that you take a look in the link in the description below, prezi.com. Last week, we talked about Microsoft tools for the classroom. If you're interested in learning more, go back and listen to last week's episode. This week, I wanted to talk about the powerful benefits of online communities of practice. For many years, I've been obsessed with learning communities, and in particular, digital learning communities. Over 10 years ago now, I connected to Twitter on the recommendation of two teacher friends. Since then, I've never looked back. I started Twitter thinking it was just a place for sharing photos of you doing yoga or the food you eat or following the ridiculous rants of celebrities. But after two or three years of going on and off the platform, I stuck to it and engaged with educators only and used it as my one source of constant learning and development. It was the best decision I ever made. Over the past seven or eight years, I've focused only on learning, community, and education. It's had its ups and downs, but as a digital learning community, it's been my life. It's helped me gain employment, 
It's allowed me to showcase my experience. And best yet, it's allowed me to support others in their growth and development. I wish I could share with more people the power of online learning communities like Twitter. And I hope one day this message can be my job to support others in connecting and engaging. If you're not connected and you're an educator, get on it now. It's free and it's the best learning space I've ever been in. Because of this and many other amazing online communities that I'm connected in, I've used this to help support and build the development of communities inside EduSpark. In about a month's time, we will launch the first version of EduSpark communities, which will become, over time, a space for educators to connect, engage, learn, share, develop, and eventually build an engaging portfolio to share with the world and demonstrate your strengths and learnings. We are super excited about what we're building, and I can't wait to share it with you. If you have ideas that you wish you would see in this sort of space for portfolios or even appraisals, don't hesitate to reach out to me now by emailing craig at eduspark.world. We're in the current development phase, and your input could help us develop the features that you would like to see. I'd love to hear about anything that you're doing and the important features within communities of practice that you engage with and the features that you love, please reach out to me with your ideas and thoughts. Every week, I bring you a short interview with some of my edu heroes, an engaging learning experience with someone who makes a difference in education every day, with a particular focus or angle towards educational technology. This week, I had the pleasure of chatting with the incredible Angela Myers. Let's have a listen to the chat. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Angela Myers, Blue Tick verified author and keynote speaker with over 139,000 followers on Twitter. Angela and I have been connected for many years, and I'm constantly inspired by her work and social media sharing. Angela is a world-renowned author, entrepreneur, international keynote speaker, and educator whose transformative message of the importance of mattering has the power to unleash the genius in us all. Her speeches, workshops, and books leave audiences resonating with the power to transform. Angela is the founder of Choose to Matter, a global movement with a mission to help people understand their own worthiness and the power that unleashes to create epic change. Angela, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Are you ready to talk about education and technology integration? Every second. I'm just, I could listen to you speak all day. And I just have to say, it is an absolute honor to be here. And I'm so excited that we're connected. And that is the beautiful thing about the time we live in. And the the best of social media is to know that you get to connect with people that you never would have most likely met. And it's, it's so exciting. (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent, Angela. And I'm so thrilled that we can connect and you know, it's always interesting to connect when time zones are so different as well. We're on opposite sides of the world. And it's just a pleasure to be able to connect and chat and feel like we've, you know, known each other for, you know, 20 years. Oh, and Yes, you know. 20 years. I was thinking, trying <laughs> to think what 20 years and, and it just feels like yesterday, just talking again. And, and that's a part, if you're not on social media, that you don't understand like this is real life. Like this is true friendship and true collegiality. And it is, it is absolutely a blessing to be a part of. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your current role and, and what inspires you to do what you do? Well, this conversations like this. So I, I have multiple, you know, like any educator, you wear multiple hats. So I currently spend most of my, well, I, before COVID, um, spent most of my time on the road doing live events with um, both business and industry. And then my absolute favorite, I was doing about 10 live events a year with um, change makers, young people from grades kindergarten or five years old to um, high school, about 18 years old. And I saw about 30,000 kids a year and watch them literally not only um, come into their genius, but use it collectively to make an impact in their world. And it was in my entire 33 career in education, by far the most inspiring, awe-initiating work that I've ever done. That is so, so cool to hear. And those are the stories, I think, that, you know, as educators too, it, it makes you know, hair stick up on the back of my neck because that's why we do what we do. That's what gets me excited about, you know, chatting to someone like you, but also sharing that message out there. And, you know, in the work that you do, in addition to all of that, you're also a published author. Angela, tell us about your books and, and why we should engage there. Well, I'm actually, so I have nine books, believe it or not. And the beginning of the books were, were research. My background is neuroscience and linguistics. So they were like kind of boring ones. And then I did some practical ones in between. And I'm actually writing um, a new book right now, just a deeper dive into mattering. And I I kept thinking like, this was just going to be something that everybody knew and it would go away. But I think what COVID revealed to the world, not just to educators, but across every industry, the urgency in which people need to understand their value and their worth. We have um, a thing in America, probably it's worldwide, called the Great Resignation. And at the foundation of that research, the reason people are not running back to work or running back to their work is they've had a good solid two years to do some deep dive into their meaning quest and their own personal quest for meaning. You know, why do I exist? Why, what am I doing with my life? Am I making the impact? Am I doing what fills me up? And those questions have been prevailing. And if work doesn't, um, their work life doesn't answer those questions, doesn't make them feel valued and seen and heard and indispensable. They're like, I'm not going back. It's not worth it. I'm not going to live the rest of my life without meaning. And so I think it has just put a a huge uh, a huge exclamation point on things that we know intuitively, and I think especially as educators, but the urgency in which we need to address this agenda, this culture, um, the science of mattering, if you will, is needed now more than ever. But this is much deeper than inspiration. This is about our essentiality. This is about our emotional hygiene. As much as we are focused on inoculating ourselves from physical harm, from disease, this is a disease that eats us from the inside out. And we must inoculate ourselves with healthy habits and healthy practices and um, non-toxic relationships and cultures. I, I love that. And you've touched on something that really inspires me there, Angela, too, which is the choose to matter stuff that you're doing and the idea of mattering. Tell us a little bit about 
the choose to matter work that you're doing now and what difference you're really trying to make inside that? It, almost everything that I said is the process of choosing to matter. And, and it is a process and a practice. It's not an aspiration or an affirmation. Choosing to matter is all about action. It's personal responsibility. It is um, moral responsibility. It is the responsibility do we have um, within our communities. So I've been pushing a lot the concept of, and I, I don't even know if it's a real concept. I tend to make up things when I can't find them. But I think there's all of this pressure, especially um, on teachers, on on self-care. And I'm not anti-self-care. I think self-care is great. But we need to really look at what community care is. How do we support each other within um, our organizations, within our support groups, within our personal and professional groups? And what I've learned is that it doesn't take um, a thousand people to support each other. Having a small group of people that you can count on that can be there for you and you can be there for them is tremendously transformative. So that's a part of choosing to matter. It isn't just our own personal agenda. It is the agenda for humanity because these are conditions of being human. And if they are not met, we are going to face peril at some level, whether it, it, it can range from apathy to agony to absolute disaster, if you will. And I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm just speaking truth. Yeah. And the work that you do now and have done before and the inspiration that you have to write books and engage with audiences and you know travel around the world and jump on virtual conferences and events, it, it just proves the point that you know we need to get out there and we need to share those messages. And it and it ties quite nicely into you know what I wanted to ask you about too, which is to do with your course on eduspark.world called Genius Matters. Tell us a little bit about this and why people listening might want to jump in and explore and, and learn in that space. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to talk to you about this after because I have been working on a deeper dive course on on choosing to matter. So I'm pushing myself to do that where the way that genius matters, the course, the book, the the process um started is about I would say a decade ago, I don't remember, I wrote a book on passion-driven um environments, passion-driven organizations, passion-driven classrooms and understanding from a human behavior perspective what ignites human humans to sustain um, their passion and to put that passion towards bigger bigger purposes and bigger projects. And as I was researching and interviewing all these companies, I, uh, I came across the concept of 20% time with Google. So I had just written in the book, like I was so enthralled by it. Now it's, uh, you know, more populist terms, but enthralled by the concept that it really goes back to Dan Pink's about uh, autonomy, mastery, and all of those things. Agency, you need that. And we don't have structures for that. We have projects for that, but not structures inside schools. So I thought, well, we're not going to get away with asking teachers and schools to give up one day a week to work on this agency, mastery, and autonomy. But what if we did this from the perspective of one hour a week? And we just called that genius hour. And as I sort of put that out into the universe, I wanted teachers to take it and make it its own, 
Well, in the process of doing that, somehow it was interpreted that Genius Hour was about teacher projects. (laughs) And the focus became more on the project kids were doing on the presentation. There were rubrics, there were all of these grades and everything missing the entire point that this is about the development of human capacity. And, and how do we do that in a systemic way? And you need to have chunks of time to explore what genius lies within yourself, how you're going to articulate that, how you're going to accelerate that and how you're going to leverage that with the genius in your presence. So I kind of went back on a rebranding tour (laughs) and, and made the point that it's genius that matters. It's not genius hour that matters. It's the development and the nurturing of genius. The root word of educate means to lead out, which means that there is something that exists within each and every one of us. Genius is not some DNA level anomaly. Genius is our birthright. Average is the anomaly. So how do we lead out? How do we bring forth those unique, um, extraordinary talents that lie within each and every student and each and every human? And how do we make school a place where those are celebrated, acknowledged, nurtured, and, and most importantly, activated? And so that is what Genius Matters. The course is because I I did kind of a walk up in how to lay the foundation before you even attempted to have genius hour or attempted a project <laughs> because that's what it's about. So that's where the course came from, the book, all of that. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, really, really cool. And the the thing that excites me about this is your passion and your energy and your desire to change and to push boundaries and to to really make people think and act, you know, and transfer that learning into practice rather than to, you know, just go and do something for the sake of doing it. It's all about that action. Uh, and, and I really, really love that. And that's what really gets me excited about the work that you do. So thanks for sharing it. And thanks for always being an advocate. Oh, you well, thank you for, for hosting the course because I was reluctant because I, I just think there's so many courses out there. And uh, of course I'm biased, but I think this is, this is the most fundamental agenda that we have as educators. It is literally the root of what, why education exists, the, the root of education to lead out. And if education is not the place where our talents are discovered and nurtured and led out, then what are, why do we exist? And I don't want to hear stories of entrepreneurs changing the world and doing that because they quit school. And I'm, there's, I, I don't want, it is heartbreaking to think that they're children that hate school because they, or they, they wait until after they get done with the act of school to actually be educated about who they are in the world and what they're going to do with their talents in the world. And so I'm trying to flip that script. Absolutely. I think it's, it's really inspiring, Angela. Let's jump into some quick fire questions. Just the first thing that comes to your mind and maybe a brief why. What is your favorite EdTech book or resource, Angela? So you're going you're gonna to laugh because most of the reading that I do is actually from non-education circles because they bring an entirely different perspective. And then I like turning 
the education concepts from them. So I haven't done a lot of education reading. <laughs> I know that sounds so horrible. So I have in, incredible colleagues that I read their work and it's just stunning to watch. But I think when I look at transformational bodies of work, I look at people like Seth Godin and people like Gary Vandercheck and people like Bob Berg that take the development of human concepts. Like right now I'm reading Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart and I'm just in love with it because it's to me, it's, it's bigger than education. It's about human behavior. And what do we know at both the individual level and the systems level about moving forward the best of humanity? Yeah. And those, you know, everything you mentioned there, you know, really resonates well with me because of the action side of things that that change happens and, and these people inspire that change. And by the way, all the links and everything you talk about are in the podcast notes as well for people to follow and click through to, to make life a little bit easier. Now, Angela, what's your go-to tool, an ed tech tool or something that you use every day that the listeners need to try? So a hundred percent, the very first thing that I open up in the morning is Zoom. It is it is my lifeline. It has been my, I have been I was a beta tester in Zoom when it began. I don't even know how many years ago, fifteen years ago, and it is so fundamental and has been to my work. And it just advances. If I were going to advance my capacity to deliver um, transformative experiences that that transcend the tool. I've been doing a lot of work on StreamYard and I think there's huge potential um, when you add live streaming in, in terms of bringing in the world. But I think it's, it's very hard to take it down to one tool. If you, if you consider your phone a tool, then by far it would be your phone. The level of what you can access, what you can gain, what you can do in terms of communication. I'm not really into like fancy apps and I probably know very little I'm, I'm looking at what technology helps me not only advance my own humanity, but advance the humanity of our community. What's one daily habit or practice that helps you enjoy, progress, and succeed in your career? I love this one because I, I really dug deep down in it during COVID. I've used this with kids like forever. And it's called the joy jar. You can call it whatever you want, but sustaining hope, especially in a time of really complex volatility is absolutely essential. So we have a saying that I've had for 33 years with kids called wow moments. So like at any point I'm saying, what's your wow moment? What's your wow moment? And it stands for worthy of the world. So I started collecting wow moments. It's a time where your spirits are lifted, where you smiled, where you took a moment and had gratitude. They're literally moments, even micro moments. But the key with the hope jar is that you write them down and you document them and then just place it in the jar. And then once a week, my students and I, we just dump out the jar and just remind ourselves that in the midst of a VUCA environment, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, that there is awe and curiosity and joy and hope. And we have to orient ourselves to look for it, 
to sustain it and to document it. And that's what the hope jar or, you know, the joy jar is for. So, um, and I have a really cute jar. I wish I could show it to you. It's really cute. And I, you know, made little notes and I can't tell you how many times during COVID being, having to be away from teachers, away from the work that I do, that I dumped that jar out and just sat and just read it to make, to make myself, to remind myself every day that, um, joy is a practice. Hope is a practice. It's not something that you stumble upon. It's something that you nurture in your life. So that's my, that's my thing. (laughs) I love it, Angela. I love everything you've shared and I love the work you do. And, you know, when I, I think about bringing this message, not only through EduSpark, but through the podcast to, to people all over the world, you know, this is where I feel the value is. And, you know, I think that the listeners are going to want to connect and follow with you and and learn more. What's the best way for them to do that? The best way is whatever works for them. So I am consistently, except for TikTok, because I don't dance, (laughs) but I'm on every social network. So it, and it is Angela Myers consistently. And if for some reason, like you forget that you can just type in Angela, you matter and you'll get to all my stuff. So my website's AngelaMyers.com. My email's AngelaMyers at Gmail. All my social is at Angela Myers and I do all my own social. So absolutely you can reach out on any and every platform and I, I check it every single day. So that I try, I try not to miss a message. I love it. Angela, thank you so much for your time today. It's been inspirational as always. And thank you, Craig, for what you do for this platform. I am so proud of just watching you grow and watching this explode and the service and gift that it is for teachers. So um, I can't wait to put another course on there. I'm I'm getting on it. I'm doing it. (laughs) Amazing. Angela, thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. Next week, join me for episode 91 of the Ignite EdTech podcast when I'm joined by Julie Lindsay. Want to win a prize? Enter now at bit.ly slash edtechwin and we'll regularly announce winners of incredible prizes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and share the podcast with your PLN and colleagues. Please remember to spend a few minutes to rate this podcast too on your podcast channel of choice so we can reach even more educators and edtech enthusiasts globally. Remember, you have the chance to win as well. Check out the links in the description for more, and I'll see you again next week. If you liked today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss another episode. And be in the drawing to win prizes every week. If you know others that would enjoy the show, please hit that share button and brighten their day. Join us again next week for your weekly EdTech hit with at Mr. Kemp NZ. We'll see you again soon.